Blog Talk Radio.
And good evening, and welcome to One Love, One Connection, One Us. And tonight we are going to talk about. Okay, so when I when I initially picked that song, I had no idea that oh well, you know, I know I should have been more cognizant of that, but it was almost it's almost like six minutes and three seconds long. Um, and all I'm really thinking about is the, the video and the ladies, you know, dancing, well, uh, moving. I, I wouldn't even really call it dancing. And and Robert Palmer, you know, rocking out to that. So, like, uh, uh, you know, part of at least the um, iconic, uh, you know, iconography of the 80s um, whenever I, I think about that song. But it's, you know, even though... <laughs> well, let, let me just add, it's interesting that when you see it from a male perspective, at least this one, and you want the women to move, yeah, so I can rock out, this is the woman moving, because I was like, that's an addiction right there by itself. <laughs> And there we have it. (laughs) Okay, so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about is it love or is it addiction? And I will say that with with the last show that I did, it was really my intention to uh, do one of Whitney Houston's songs. (laughs) Uh, Whitney Houston's songs, uh, what is it? Saving all my love, and I was thinking, you know, that yeah, I I had the same thought that I had when I really sort of sat back and listened to uh, the lyrics of that song, um, you know, where she's saying that she's saving all of her love for this married lover, and that she's only she's willing to accept only pieces of him. And that, you know, even her friends were telling her that she was crazy. And I, I guess I was sitting there, I was like, you know, this is, a, you know, not a really affirming song for having what she was told was fulfilling relationship. And she was, you know, I was questioning whether or not she was loved, or was she talking about her addiction? And her addiction to this lover that would never, you know, be in her life too. So when we, you know, so I decided, I know that I've done a show on this a while back, but I decided to go ahead and visit this because um, at least this time around, not, uh, unlike before, I'm going to actually talk about what the science is behind all of this stuff. And not that it's just going to make much of a difference in why things is the way it is, it gives you more clarity and it gives you more of what I would consider your own self-control over how you think and how and yourself when you are flowing in in life and if you're experiencing what you're experiencing. Uh, and you know, when love addiction is so that, 
And so, you know, I think you think we should start off with, uh, you know, the, the star and saving all my love to you and then bounce off from there? Well, somewhere along the line, we're going to have to pray about this situation because all of these things can be such a terrible situation, terrible, 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 <laughs> if you allow it to be a terrible situation. And sometimes you may not have anything to do with it being a terrible situation. It's just you end up in one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, with that, I, I think that that's his cue to let me know that we should get prayed in. So what we're going to do is we're going to do one round of the Ambacore prayers sung by Thomas Shalar Walker. Uh, shout out to Shalar. Thank you so much for supporting us and allowing us to use your music. And we will be right back. And I'm a cool Hormones present equally in men and women, and the body 
um, excites the feeling of lust within the brain. And the limbic process in the brain is response, uh, the response to the lust, uh, having <laughs> health, uh, promoting and stress-reducing potential. And in addition, lust, love, pleasure, uh, ensure the endurance of mankind through mating, and the mating process is a discrete, interrelates process initiating attraction. So, you know, I know that for for men, um, that whole initiation of lust can be through the way a person has. And I'm sure that for some reason, um, that 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 sort of initial attraction to how the person looks. You know, is is setting off those those uh, that testosterone and the the estrogen in your body, and then the second stage is attraction. Um, this is the second stage of the fire is attraction, and this uh, stage is said to be one of the beautiful moments of life. This is the stage to actually touch, Romanticizing, you know, because in that stage, you kind of have like any deficiencies that actually have. And it's been scientifically concluded that there are like three more sub-stages to the attraction that three sub-stages are. Some of the, the initial symptoms of attraction towards someone else involves the stress response. Um, there's like increased uh, adrenaline and cortisol, and then there's the attitude reaction. Um, then you have um, dopamine. And to follow the theoretical research, a physical experiment has also concluded to prove that the veracity of uh, physical evidence, the brain of a couple of new, uh, a new couple struck uh, with love, were observed to using functional magnetic response imaging, you know, uh, the MRI, and it was it was found that both the minds of the male and female had large spikes of neurotransmitters of dopamine, a chemical that stimulates the feeling of pleasure within the body. So, you know, that feel-good feeling that you get when you are with the person. I mean, you get that dopamine all up in you and you're feeling that surge of energy. Um, You may observe that there's a decreased hunger you may also find that you sleep less uh, when you are you have uh, before falling in love, and that attention has become more focused than ever. And then, in that 
in that particular area, you got serotonin. Um, and serotonin was found to be one of the most important chemicals involved in exciting the feeling of love. Uh, serotonin basically diverts your body and bounds you to think about your lover and nothing else. And it becomes a path to the mind. And, uh, and they found that men in love had lower levels of serotonin while women revealed the opposite. And the participant in love reported engrossing in thoughts of their beloved 65% of the day. I mean, wow, that is a lot of time to be thinking about somebody. So <clears throat> the last stage is attachment. And this is when the couple passes through the other two stages. And the attachment and the bond um, help the couple to um, take the relationship into deeper levels. And it instigates this feeling of childbearing and falling in love with them wholeheartedly. Um, the, and then, you know, while in this particular stage of attachment, uh, you know, in, in this certain stage of attachment, you have the oxytocin, um, which is known as the cuddle hormone. And it's one of the most powerful uh, hormones released equally by men and women, especially during orgasm. So oxytocin formulates the depth of love and forges the attachment to the partner. And the study <clears throat> was seconded by another research based on sexual activities beyond a couple and the outcome. And the more the couple opts for sex, um, more they're like uh, there's more substantial bonds uh, of attachment. And, uh, you know, oxytocin apparently plays a key role in, um, in human beings. Um, when, you know, while in this particular state. So um, I'm not going to go and read the, the whole thing. But, you know, just I just wanted to go ahead and share that with, the people who are uh, here with us tonight, um, that that there is science behind those, you know, those feelings that they're experiencing when you when you have that experience of falling in love. Now, now the question or what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, whether or not it's love or addiction. So, first. You know, one of the things that I, I want to talk, perhaps the addiction, and then we're going to talk about um, how um, authenticity leads to more of a, I guess you could say, genuine love. Yes, and I'd like to share um, the unscientific side of, of our experience Um so we're going to go into addiction, and then we're going to go deal with the authenticity of love, right? Yeah. Okay. So the let's go from let's go from the bottom back up. The oxytocin thing. All right. I know that 
when the sexual mechanism is involved and there is good sex, okay? Because the good sex is what brings the attachment and that bond that you can't break away from, so to speak. Um, You know, when it actually gets your whole body to move in a manner that no one else has been able to do to you. Uh, That's more of the energy and the vibration that kicks in when you have those orgasms, that that serotonin that comes in, I mean, not serotonin, but the oxytocin that comes in to, to bring the desire for more of that. You have, um, in the aspect of the attraction, I thought it was interesting when you said the attraction. Let's, let, let me finish with the attachment section first because the attachment section can be of such a degree to where you have that fatal attraction in your attachment or that femme fatale to where, you know, she can't get enough of that and that's where I think people see the addiction to this love thing because it's like, can nobody else have this? You know, this he's he mine or she's mine. And it goes from both sides, male or female. It can happen from that perspective. I remember when there was a scientist who had driven, um, I think she was an astronaut, put on a diaper in order to travel all the way to Texas to get to somebody because she had some attachment issues. Um, some of our callers can maybe bring us up to date on what that was about a few years ago. Um, when I look at the second level that you spoke of, attraction, it's like, to me, there was like the attraction to distraction. It's like the song where the guy sang, it says, only times when I think of you. There's only two times. Wasn't a whole lot. But it was day, day and night. And night. <laughs> okay. So it can get like that but where the attraction is there at first and then you go into that distraction because you don't want to do anything else. You know, all you want to do is just think about this person. You want to call them on the phone, all kinds of things because it is that cute aspect of what love is, you know, um, that newness of it, if you will. And sometimes I really believe attraction sometimes comes before lust, but that depends on who you are and where you are. Because with men, I know that attraction easily comes along if you have an affinity to a big booty or a big legs or some breathlessness. And you see that, and so that 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 distracted you from whatever you were supposed to have your attention on, and then you became more attentive to seeing what your attention caught you off guard on, and then if you can make a move and somebody kind of comes back at you with it, then you know that's like oh snap. Now you can start drooling because you might get some of that, you know. But, you know, 
it's just my mind kind of around in space. So just keep me grounded, baby. Keep me grounded. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I am going to go ahead and play uh, what I think is one of the most um, well-known and probably well like uh, addiction songs that I have ever heard. Um, and we will be right back.
Yeah. So, yeah, she was saving all the love for, for this one person. Well, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because that is a most honored position when we look at relationships in and of itself, especially back in the era of identifying that, you know, there was this point in time of being loose and free, you know, hit it and run, um, get what you want and enjoy the moment. Um, Isley Brothers, love the one you're with type of thing, you know. It was all cool, but when a person became attached, I remember a relationship I was in to where we would, we would still bang it, you know, even though we were in relationship with somebody else because, you know, I was sworn to fun, loyal to none, and she really didn't want to leave the relationship, but it was pretty much over. But, you know, I get a call and say, hey, Dre, I'm horny. And I was like, well, really? You need some help, don't you? And I'll, I'll come right on over. When she got in the relationship and she saw that this relationship that she was in was something that she cherished, if you will, then she was like, well, you know, I got feelings in this situation that I don't really want to do that anymore. I was like, really? He don't need to know. (laughs) But, But I understood where she was coming from, and I was like, you know, it was all good. You know, and I was happy for her. So eventually she ended up getting married. Unfortunately, marriage didn't last, but that's okay. I mean, that's how life does what it do. All righty then. <laughs> I'm thinking we met at the right time. <laughs> it's so true, so true. <laughs> so, well, you know, since, since you um, talked about uh, talked about your love addiction, well, I, I do... I've had a few, a few um, uh, experiences with love addiction, and the only reason why I call it um, love addiction, and I, I'm going to qualify this and say that this is my own personal definition. Um, when the love addiction is in a place, when you're in love addiction, in that love addiction, you're not honoring yourself and your needs and your requirements for the type of love that you're deeply desiring. That is my definition of love addiction. You are operating contrary to what it is that you're wanting uh, out of a relationship. And there is something about the person that you are attracted to that, that, that feeds a need, and you're, you're wanting them to feel a certain way uh, about you, and you, you know, Instead of just being in that place of honoring where where you are and what you're feeling and and what you're wanting, you settle for something less than what you deserve. Just like you know that that last sir that last song. And and the thing that's really you know really interesting about that song is that she is clearly you know she clearly understands what is going on with her. Um, she, she, you know, she, her friends are telling her that she's crazy for doing it, and and she knows that, you know, that he's been feeding her this line that they're going to eventually be together, and it's not going to happen. It's and and she is in the throes of whatever it is that she feels 
when they are together. That 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 and that she would rather be home feeling blue, you know, because she's saving all her love for this guy. <laughs> so, you know, that's why that's why I give love addiction that particular definition of not really being in a in a place of of honoring yourself. So, my personal story about love addiction was uh, there was a person that I was involved with uh, back in Arizona, and um, one of the things that that was happening was. You know, I, I was wanting uh, a more substantial relationship. I was wanting us to, uh, you know, at least I'm not, well, I wasn't necessarily looking for marriage, but I was looking for um, some type of commitment. And um, this person, even though I feel that he loved me, um, he did not want to have what you would call a quote-unquote committed relationship. And we had this we had this thing of yo yoing back and forth between one another, you know. There would be times when we would, you know, we would be with each other and then, you know, we'd pull it back. We'd be with each other, pull it back. You know, and and I was continually being in that place of deeply desiring for the relationship to turn into what it is that I wanted it to turn into. Well um, I I would say, and and the thing about it was, I had come to recognize that the relationship was not serving me and not honoring that that deeper desire. And I, I will say that the the larger part of the reason why I was in that space was because what I felt on a boom deep level from him. It was a situation where where I knew that he loved me, but he had his own, you know, stuff that he was dealing with from the previous relationship that he had had, he had, had with uh, his, his ex-wife. And plus, you know, his stuff was just not in order. <laughs> he was just... He he was his stuff was not in order and he did not feel that he could give me what it was that that I wanted and he had himself had said you know you know you you meaning me you need to be in a relationship you you know I I see what you need and I I see that it would be so easy to fulfill but I'm just not at that place of doing it so I I would say. We we kept breaking up and coming back together, and eventually what happened was I had stayed over at his place, and I had made a request of him where I wanted him to take me to my personal mailbox because at this time I was like in what you would call like the lowest place in my experience or, you know, I was going through my valley. Let me not say, you know, the lowest, but I was definitely going through a valley. And um, the only transportation I had was public transit, and I had made the request of him to take me to my personal mailbox. The night before, um, I had stayed over at his place, and, you know, one of the things that I had known about the space that he had stayed in was that there were energetic disruptions in the space, 
And so there are things that you can do. There are sounds and vibrations that you can listen to that will cause those energetic disturbances to go away. So I, you know, I had given him the stuff, but he had never played it. Well, I had played it that night, and the next morning when he woke up, I looked at his face, and he looked so refreshed compared to the way that he had looked before. He'd always looked so tired and so haggard, and it looked like he did not actually get a full night's sleep. And so I, you know, I looked at his face and I was like, wow, you know, you know, you, you, how do you feel? He's like, I feel well rested. And I said, well, you know, those, those sounds that I was telling you about, you know, the, you know, the spiritual, the spirit attachment removal and all of that stuff, I played that for you last night. And, and I think that it, it really kind of affects the way you, you know, your way you slept. Um, and, and all of a sudden, I saw in his face what I call the imp. There was a part of him that was annoyed that I had that I had assisted him with his sleep, and I knew in that instant <laughs> that the request that I had made for him uh, of him to take me to my personal mailbox that that was not happening. And so he took me to where I was staying at the time. I was attending ASU. And um, I, you know, I I operated like, you know, I'm still going to see you. I was like, well, I'll see you later and, you know, I'll give you a call, blah, blah, blah. I called, no response. I did not see that guy for close to, I think, a week and a half. It was close to a week and a half. And somehow I made it we made it up to that that part of of Phoenix, and then he you know he called me and he's telling me that the reason why he show he didn't show up was because you know he was dealing with some stuff and and that there was uh um you know the you know that that you know he had had you know, the, the remember that girl that I told you that kept coming to my door and, and you know, she was like, soccer. well, it turns out that the baby that she had, that, that was actually my son. Now, mind you, he had already shared, like, the circumstances of that situation. And my my feeling has always been that this before Arlene, before I was in a relationship with you, it doesn't matter just so long as you're transparent and honest about it. And I said, you know, Arlene don't care. <laughs> Arlene does not care about that. What I care about is the fact that you did not show up and honor your, you know, honor the request that I made of you to take me to my personal mailbox. That's what I care about. And I saw in your face, I saw in your face the 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 little imp that apparently does not cause, that causes you not to do what is necessary for yourself. And I can't do this anymore. I see that, you know, um, that thing that I saw is going to try to hurt me and hurt me in a way that I may not be able to forgive you for and the love that I have for you will not, you know, be able to recover from that. So you know what? The this the thing that we've been doing, the physical thing, um, and you and I doing the show yo back together, it, it's out. 
is done. And 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 I have to say that once I honored that and honored that that boundary that I had that you know that I you know if if I make a request of you I expect you to show up. Um, and all of the other things, like uh, all of the other things, were were you know not in alignment too because he, you know, he did you know I was running a relationship. It made it. I have to say that that was for me the final straw. I won't say that I that I stopped caring for him. I I still I still care for him, but honor where he was and where I was. And if that if my needs were not going to be met. And it was clear that he was going to be acting in a way that would sabotage the relationship um, and cause me some pain when I was trying to help him and assist him. Then you know, it, you know, they just I'm not going to stand for you know trying somebody trying to hurt me. So hey, you know, it 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 ended, and I have to say that I believe that the relationship became what it needed to become um, afterwards. Now, mind you, if, you know, I've, I've also been in situations where the love is all undecided. And again, in, in those situations where the love is undecided, um, being honest, you know, in those times I've done that um, and been about where I was and, and the men that I seem to have dealt with um, honored my request when I tell them, you know what, I have feelings for you, um, you know, this, this, and this, you know, it, it causes me to feel this certain kind of way. Now, one of two things would happen. Either I would tell them if I found out that they did not reciprocate um, the love, then I would simply say, you know what, um, let me call you back when my when I've finished licking my wounds and I've I've you know when I'm feeling a whole lot better, or I would just make the request that that they just honor my boundaries if I was in a situation where that you know that leaving them and being out of sight of and out of mind um, was not an option because I've I've had both. I've had both, and when I've been honest about it, you know, and, and mind you, when, when, you, when you've fallen in love and those chemical reactions that are taking place in your body and, you know, you are, you are in that space of deeply desiring it, it could be a painful thing. You know, you just you have to just walk through it. There, as far from my experience, there hasn't been, there hasn't ever really been a quick fix for that unrequited love, just, you know, taking the opportunity to love yourself and be with yourself because it, it literally is like a physical pain when you are in that situation and your love is unrequited. But it, it is a place where you could be in a state of love addiction. And if you allow yourself to violate those boundaries, that will cause you to, um, you know, compromise on the things that you're deeply desiring. So I know that I've talked for a minute, but do you want to add anything? I um, want to add maybe a few things. Um, remind me to say something about high school if I forget. 
Um, one of the things I'm picking up on is spiritual attachments. People don't really give a lot of attention to being aware of spiritual attachments oftentimes when it is just a physical experience that they're after and they're not really after the love connection, if you will. Sometimes the love connection kind of pops up, and if it pops up unexpectedly, there's no telling exactly what direction things can go, especially when there are spiritual attachments that are not in agreement with commitment because there's a lot of people who have the experience of relationship with the opposite sex of which they are not at a mature level to look for commitment or have a level of one would call uh, commitment maturity, if you will, because they're not they're not interested in that because they still want to sow their oats, if one may say. Um, sometimes when people live in that type of space in their consciousness, they're not spiritually apt or adapt to understand the purity of love in and of itself and what it can provide and offer. So they will step in the places of violation in a relationship along those lines because they're listening to these spiritual attachments which are of the lower consciousness, if you will, as you were speaking earlier, uh, if you will. Um, some people say that imps comes in pairs or you know, a whole group, and you will get to see the one that wants to manifest first, but they're not alone. And I gather in the experience that you brought forth, energy of the imp was really coming to surface because it did not want to be controlled. And there's people who get in relationships to where if they feel as though the other person has some aspect of control over them, that makes them feel as if they don't have any power over themselves. Their ego kicks in and a lot of negative things can kick off behind it because the other imps are there to support the one who wants to step up. It's just one of the things that ends up happening. Um High school. Uh, it was funny that you had mentioned the unrequited, un, un, unrequited. unrequited love thing. I, I, I tell you, I believe in spirituality, and I believe that it brings us through every situation and circumstance. And so I've been blessed to be connected to some form, no matter how far away from um, the spirit, one may say, I was trying to go, but there's always been a protection. So in high school, I had one of those experiences. I think this might have been my third experience of, you know, just kind of really 
liking this girl, man. It's like, oh, wow. You got to just, oh, you just have this feeling. I mean, your heart just pitter-patter when you see him again. It was a puppy love type of thing, but you're not really trying to tell anybody that's going on. And so uh, when I got in high school, it was my first year there because, of course, before high school, junior high school. No, this was junior high school. This was junior high school. This was junior high school. Okay. So I decided I was going to go ahead and write a note and send it to the girl, right, because I wanted to, you know, see what was going to happen. Boy, nobody knew what was on the note at that particular time. As I passed the tour, I put it somewhere where she could see it, and she pulled it out of her, as I recall, she pulled it out of her notebook, and um, kind of had a little sticking out of the, the edge there, and she pulled it out, she opened it up, and I asked her about being my girlfriend or something. And she screamed to the top of her voice, no! And I was like, I turned into the little, littlest person in the room. I must have looked like an ant in my own mind. But that experience in and of itself had me always be protective of myself and the way in which I felt about somebody. So I would not allow myself to get in a situation again to where I would just kind of have that, oh, wow, if I could just get this person to be a part of my experience, no. We're going to fill you out first. <laughs> okay. Oh, I just had a bad about that experience. <laughs> I did too. I did too. <laughs> now, by that real quick, you know, there was everybody else in the classroom. It's the seventh grade. Sure. That's an imprint on you from the rest of your days of school. Yeah, I got myself together real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> um, I think with that, we're going to... I'll add, just so as you know, when I got to high school, that's actually the girl that I took to the junior prom. Well, looky, looky. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so we are going to take a quick music break. <laughs> and since, you know, and since we've been talking about the chemicals of love and everything, well, we're going to play uh, I Want a New Drug, but, you know, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a drug drug. It's the drugs that are produced inside of yourself when you fall in love. Yeah, after the song, we, we'll open up the lines. If you have any stories to share or you have, you have any questions, please feel free to join us. But, uh, We'll be right back after the song.
so I I think that you know uh, <laughs> that's a fun song. At least let's let's just put it this way. I was dancing around here, you know, as I'm listening to the song with everybody else here. So now, <laughs> and nothing to say. No. It is a fun song. I love the drug. That drug. <laughs> that makes me feel like I feel when I'm alone with you. Okay. So there, <laughs> there are what they say here, and this is an article to Lona Wolf. Um, dot com, and they said that there are eight types of love according to the ancient Greeks. So um, we, you know, you may be in agreement or out of agreement with them, but um, here they are. So the first one is eros, or what you would call erotic love, and this is the first type of love, the, which is named after after the Greek god of love and fertility and represents the ideal of sexual passion and desire. Um, Eris is exalted and beautifully idealistic love in the hearts of the spiritually mature who can be used uh, to recall the knowledge of beauty as put by Socrates through tantra and spiritual sex. But when misguided eros can be misused and abused and indulged in and lead to impulsive acts and broken hearts. Now, I guess you could say that they're saying that the love catalyst for this is uh, the physical body. Now, number two on this list is filial love or affectionate love. And this is the, the second type of love of is associated with friendship, and the ancient Greeks valued fuel of love far above uh, far above eros because it was considered a love between equals. And Plato felt that physical attraction was not necessary a necessary part of love. Hence, the word platonic, which means without physical attraction. Hmm. Now, that's pretty interesting. (laughs) Um, And feeling love is a type of love that is felt among friends who've endured hard times together. So I I guess, you know, with people who are attracted, I guess, you know, I can understand on a certain level um, that, that, what was it, Socrates? you know, felt, you know, valued this one a little bit more. Um, However, perhaps, you know, he wasn't necessarily in which he was, I guess you could say the best uh, space or the best place with with his experiences with with Eros in that. And the love catalyst is considered to be the mind. So the third one is storage or... uh, or um, you know, I may be pronouncing it uh, incorrectly, storage, S-P-O-R-G-E, or familiar love. And although storage love closely resembles uh, Fila, it 
it's love without physical attraction. Storage love is primarily due to kinship and familiarity. So I'm thinking that people that you grew up with, you know, friends or um, people who are in your family. Uh, storage is a natural form of affection that often flows between parents and their children and the children for their parents. And storage love can even be found among childhood friends that uh, that is later shared as adults. But although storage uh, is a powerful form of love, it could also become an obstacle to your spiritual path, um, especially when uh, our family or friends don't align or support your journey. And the love catalyst for this is called uh, casual or memories, um, and that's where the love catalyst for, the, uh, for that is. Now, their fourth version of love is litus or playful love. And although Lettuce is a bit of an erotic eros in it, um, it may be more than that. Uh, the Greeks thought that Lettuce as a playful form of love, for example, the affection between young lovers. Um, Lutus, okay, my, my apologies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, I did pronounce it incorrectly. Uh, Lutus, L-U-D-U-S. And in that it's the feeling that we have when we go through the early stages of falling in love with someone. Um, an example of that, the fluttering of the heart, flirting, teasing, and the feeling of euphoria. Um, and they consider that the love catalyst for this is emotional. Now, we have number five, uh, which is mania or obsessive love. And I suppose, you know, when you consider the, the topic of our show, that it is, you know, it is talking about uh, addiction. And media love is the type of love that leads to a partner into a type of a madness or obsessiveness, you know, the fatal attraction that uh, King talked about earlier. And it occurs when there's an imbalance between eros and litus. And to to those who experience mania, love itself is a means to rescuing themselves, a reinforcement of their own value as the sufferer or the poor or of poor self-esteem. The person wants to be loved, uh, wants to love and be loved to find a sense of self-value. Because of this they can become possessive and a jealous lover, feeling as though they are desperately needy, uh, desperately need for their partner. And the love can, <laughs> the love can for that is um, survival instinct. Do you want to you add something to that? Yeah, I can see where that imbalance between Eros and Ludus can bring forth that possessive love because, you know, nudist looks like the uh, root word um, that we get ludicrous from. And, uh, you know, Eros being such a erotic type of excitement and idealistic type of love, you don't know, get those two crossed up. Yeah, you, you can have some problems with that mania. There's a love that has and in this, we need to be 
that has the top. So I really find pregnant and learning how to maintain it. Um, I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently, my speaker is having some issues. Um, But the love um, catalyst for Pragmalove is considered uh, etheric. It's, It's unconscious. Now, number seven. Yeah, you you know how to pronounce that? Philatuta, the philatua, or self-love? Philatutia, philatutia, or let's just simplify it and call it self-love. Now, the the Greeks understood that in order to care for others, that we had to first, you know, learn to care for ourselves. And this form of self-love is not the unhealthy vanity or self-obsession that is focused on personal fame, a gained and a fortune in the case of narcissism. So instead, philatutia is self-love in its healthiest form, and it shares the Buddhist philosophy of self-compassion, which is the deep understanding that once you have the strength to love yourself, and feel comfortable in your own skin that you'll be able to provide love to others. Um, and, and they have a quote here by Aristotle, but we're going to skip that. But the love catalyst for Philatutia is the, the soul. Now, the eighth form of love is agape, or selfless love. Now, this is considered the highest and most radical type of love, according to the Greeks. Um, And this type of love is not the sentimental outpouring that often passes for love in, in, you know, current-day society. But it has nothing to do with the the condition-based type of love of of our sex, you know, of our current culture that passes for love. Agape is what some call spiritual love, and it is an unconditional love, bigger than ourselves, uh, boundless compassion, um, and infinite empathy. It is what the Buddhists describe as metta or universal loving kindness. You know, I guess you could say the love that you that 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 Christ had for the world, or how how it is perceived that. You know, in certain uh, spiritual traditions that that uh, God has for us, allowing us to be in that place of of um, of loving loving the world and just loving people where they are for who they are, and and seeing seeing the best in them. Um, and agape love is. The love that's felt, that which we kind of intuitively know is divine truth, and you know accepts, forgives, and believes in our greater good, and the spirit is the love catalyst for that is the spirit. So, you know, I, I guess you could say that I think that many of us uh, aspire to, um, well, or maybe not. Um, but aspire to agape love. But I think that 
one of the things that probably needs to take place first is that you have to go through that stage of, I would say, and this is this is Arlene's personal list of where I think you need to be in that spectrum. You know, in order to get to that place of agape, you've got to be in that place of self-love first. You self, um, you know, and when you get to that place of self-love, then all of the other thing, all of the other types of love, to my way of thinking, kind of fall in line after that. You, you have any? Um, Comment. Yeah, I, I agree with you. What I see is the, uh, I guess it's a philautia, maybe that might be a better pronunciation, um, is the soul love, where agape is the spirit love. So when you come to identify your soul and you come to better know yourself and you come to know that you are a soul then you come to a better understanding of recognizing that the soul did not really manifest on its own by itself. There is something that brought it forth. And so there is where the agape love kind of reaches out as the um, of love because then the soul and spirit come together as one. And then that gets to see all things as one and becomes more of a a spiritual experience, which love itself really should be. It just so happens that because we are in our humanness, um, I oftentimes say that we are human, we are spiritual beings in a human experience. Um, we have the spiritual man, the natural man, and the uh, carnal man, if you will. The carnal man is the the base nature in and of itself. You know, it's got to it's got to get a nut, <laughs> if you will. You know, um, where the natural man is the one who recognizes that there are things that are needed for survival. You know, you have to have food, um, water, things like that, um, to maintain the consciousness on the planet. But the the spiritual aspect of our existence has more of an encompassing uh, experience of the whole. So I, I can see where all these loves do fit in um, in a pretty interesting way. I, I like that. I like that you brought that up. Especially the enduring love, the, the pragma. I think I got some of that. and And I believe I will dare say that there are soul mates, and soul mates would have that pragma love as well. Okay, I can be in agreement with that. Um, what we're going to, okay, so ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions or if you have any comments, anything that you would like to share, please press the number one. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick music break and we will be back and you know you know if it isn't love why do we feel this way man what do you think what
Okay, okay. Um, I like this song. It, it was crazy. It reminds me of when I actually had fallen out of that uh, sworn to fun loyal to none stuff, you know. It's like the first song we played um, where it says, um, you like to think you're immune to the stuff? Well, that's what I thought. That's why I was like sworn to fun loyal to none. I could do that, right? thought I was immune to the stuff. I really did. I was like, oh, dang. You know, today is Monday. No, no, the day is not your day. The day belongs to somebody else. And you're supposed to be catching up with me on Wednesday. Why are you calling me? Oh, God. Okay, so, so. Again, I say that I've met you at the right time. So, so what ended up happening is at this particular point, I think there was like four girls that was in, in the picture for the most part. One was in college. One was in college, one was in Kenya, and two was in Baltimore. So um, it might have been three. But anyway, that was back then. Still, what ended up happening is when I left school and I came to Baltimore to stay, I came across the girl who made me feel like the last song, If It Isn't Love, Why Do I Feel This Way? And I remember being in her house, and she was writing on my back. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I said, that sounds like trouble right there. And I was like, what What did you I said, what did you write on my back? And she said, I wrote in your back. I love you. I said, oh, God. I was like, I, tell you, I thought we wasn't supposed to be going in that direction there. But um, that's what happened. And it made me feel those emotions just like was they they sang in this song. Um, and we got into a relationship, and the person that came to visit me from college because I was supposed to be in love with her, the love thing got me, and I could not understand what I was feeling. I could not understand it. You know, there's that, like I said, we were talking about the authentic love, and we talk about addiction to love, and then we talk about love addiction because actually we're talking about three different things here. So I had an addiction to love. There was no doubt about it. But it, 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 who had it to give to me, you see? That's where my issue was. So when the girl came from school to come visit me, I was I didn't even know how to act because I'm normally super cool as far as love is concerned. You know, I ain't trying to throw it out there like it's uh, because I'm immune to the stuff. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, you see people kiss their off the airplane and then they go running to each other and carries on. I'm going to be the person that's going to be sliding. I'm going to be off to the side, you know, just chilling. Just to watch you get off the plane and see if you spot me. Okay, but not this particular time because I'm lost my mind, right? That, that, that ludicrous stuff. So when I saw the girl that I was supposed to be in love with, which I actually fell in love with this new girl that was in Baltimore. I come running over there to her, like, you know, ah, I'm so glad to see you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> so I ended up discovering that I couldn't handle it because the girl that I fell in love with, if you will, as the the, the, the people in the song uh, so eloquently brought forth, uh, there was those feelings, and I just couldn't get, I couldn't shake it. And as I'm sitting at the the table, it was Thanksgiving.
given time. I'm sitting at the table with the girl that I left at school. I'm sitting up there, and I'm like, I'm wishing that the other girl was here at the table. And I'm like, oh, man, I got it, I got it bad. So I had to let her know because it was like, okay, something's gone from what we had, you know. And I was like, I tried to warn you. I said, look, now, you were supposed to go ahead and come back, come down here with me because I know that, you know, I got this addiction to love and I can't help myself. Or that I was trying to be strong, and, and, and I came in. And so I had to take her back. Um, she was so hurt about it. I took her to the uh, the bus that she went to go visit her sister. And um, after I dropped her off, I tell you, I don't know how this happened. I ended up busting both tires out on the car because I wasn't paying attention. I jumped over curl, bust both tires out. I said, Lord, have mercy. You're getting me back for, for being such a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I had to leave my car downtown. And, um, you know, I remember another experience I had when I tried to play that part of, uh, you know, acting like I was immune to the stuff when I was in a relationship. The relationship actually changed because that person felt as if, okay, if I'm going to act like, you know, I'm hardcore, you know, I'm not, like, going to let love do me like make me get, get kind of crazy. But that person, when they saw me, they, they always got most excited when they saw me. You know, they they always kind of like poured it out on me. And I was like, yeah, 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 baby, yeah, that's cool, yeah, baby, yeah, right. And so then they decided that they wanted to be cool too. And so then they didn't want to keep pouring the love out on me like that because I was just sopping it up. I was like a sponge. But then now I don't have this love that they were giving to me like they did before because it was like, well, dang, if you're not going to kind of bring it back to me because I'm pouring it on you like that because I want you to pour it on me like that. But I was like, well, I'm not really like that, right? But the relationship changed because of that. And because she changed the way in which she was treating me, the relationship itself changed. And so then the relationship kind of fell apart. So there's an aspect of authenticity that we need to have with ourselves so that we can better relate to our spiritual connection with one another in regards to love. Because when it's less than that, you're going to get less than that. That's the way I see it. And oftentimes that addiction aspect of love being the thing that you desire to have but you can't control it will make you do crazy things. And so you can be a, a, have a love addiction no. If you're addicted to love, that's a good thing because love is a good thing. But if you have it that, a, that is detrimental, then that's not a good thing. I'm hoping I explained that correctly. But you follow what I'm saying? You can be addicted to love because love is good. But if you are addicted and the addiction is a bad thing, then there's going to be consequences to that addiction of a bad thing. Help me, help me. <laughs> I, I I think I, I understand I understand what you're you're saying. So uh 
And I, I don't know if I would necessarily call what you're suggesting an addiction um, as much as you're suggesting that people just be in love with loving and, you know, and be and be in that place of, of being loved, just being loved, you know, have that, have that love stuff just pouring it right on out of you. Yeah. 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 No resistance. Like a faucet. <laughs> so, I, you know, in, in reflecting on those, that list, and again, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, you have any comments, you have any concerns, please, you know, feel free to share, press the number one, and we will go ahead and bring you on the line. But when I think to that list that uh, we talked about um, with the different types of love, I, I think I've experienced all of those on that uh, on that spectrum. And for a minute there, I, I, I'm going to um, share my obsessive love experience and and I, I had to check myself <laughs> when I actually observed um, that in myself. So there was, there was a guy that I was dating. And I have to say that he came from a family where, you know, uh, where abuse was, had been a thing. That and that you know his behavior. I this is he one of the great lessons that he did share you know share with me or that he taught me through my experience with him was that I really I really needed to be with someone who who did not necessarily come out of that experience or if they did come out of that experience that they had worked on themselves enough to a point where they did not they did not do things that were provoking because in in a, in essence he was sort of like addicted to drama and he had that type of drama that he drew into you know drew from from the mother of his child and and you know he always had this story to tell so i you know, he wasn't the only one. There was somebody that I had worked with also that I realized that, you know, that she would do things that would that would be provoking and and that they were living out this particular cycle. So he had gotten to a certain point in the in the relationship. He would ask me, you know, well what how was your day? I was like, Oh, you know, my day was quiet. I I went to school, you know, I did some work, I did this, I did that. I was like, but, you know, basically there's nothing much going on here other than, you know, my daily routine. That that was not the energy that I had operated in. And he, he at one point, he had shared with me, you know, we were going through our thing, and he shared with me that, he was not sexually attracted to me. And for a moment, for a moment, I was going down that track of obsessive love, and I actually drove by this guy's house. And I was just, and mind you, it had been uh, that, you know, during that time, the, the streets, 
it had been raining, and in in uh, Detroit, the streets had been flooded, which generally, for the most part, would not happen in that area. That the flooding was not just a thing that took place there, and and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, this is crazy. I was like, you're acting crazy. You're acting absurd. <laughs> I was just like, you know, this guy just told you <laughs> that he was not sexually attracted to you. And you're driving by his house. You're, you're, okay, I mean, you just let this dude just make you crazy. <laughs> And so, <laughs> so I didn't ride that boat for very long. Let me just tell you. <laughs> so you know, I, again, I, I have what I call power side chats with myself, and the power side chat went pretty much like this: Guy said that he was not attracted to you. Um, he, um, he, you know, he did not, you know, uh, you know, he wasn't ha- he wasn't feeling you like that. Okay, it's over. He just told you it was over, and you don't need to do anything about <laughs> about it, uh, you know, but because it's over. But hold on a moment. We have a caller on the line, and. Oh, seven seven three nine nine four. Welcome to One Love One Connection with us. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you, Arlene King? And, um, and all this um, joy. Always a delight hearing you guys. <laughs> Always a delight. Yeah, love and addiction. You know, um, early I've 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 come to to realization that. Um, we behave according to the stories that we have been subject to as children and as we come up. I've attended a, um, a cast show with my my brother, and uh, it was, um, oh, God, I can't even think of the name of it. Well, anyway, um, you know, something about playing the game. And he was a coach, and so he was teaching the young men, you know, you got to get plenty of it. It builds you up and blah, 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 you know, and he was just coaching. I'm saying, what kind of stuff is this? So afterwards I said, you really felt good teaching these young men all about this, this sex and what a man is and, and everything. And he said, he said, well, no, not really, Joy. He said, what I came into realization is that I was lied to. I said, what? So here he was with a couple of other women. We were sitting here listening. And he's saying that, okay, um, I was taught that uh, – it's amazing. I mean, I've been with this man all my life, right, my brother. But he shared some things. He said, well, you know, in the South where we were, that men were taught if you don't have sex once a week, you go blind. And if you don't have sex, you know, uh, in a month, you lose your mind. So it's important that you have sex as much as possible. So I, so I'm, I'm looking at him, and I can remember some of the crazy things that he was doing just as you described with the gentleman that you were with, the drama thing. And I realized that when you don't know who you are and you haven't loved yourself, and uh, you, you, you only deal with the stories that you're told and the roles that you're supposed to play. 
And that's a pretty dangerous thing because even with battered women, uh, they subject themselves to, even when a man's beating them down, mm-hmm. they they still hold on. But he loves me. <laughs> he loves me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he loves me. And I can and I can relate to that too. So to me, it's like um, I appreciate the honesty and the transparency you have with things and the discussion of it because that is what we what is really needed from both the female and the male aspect is that we become addicted to the stories and um, which has very little truth of who we are and what powers we have and the need for us to uh, begin with that love within ourselves first, you know. Um, so so thank you. Thank you very, very much for for that message. And, no, we've we got to learn how to move away from the drama uh, into, the, into the dictates of what it is and who we are um, to not just to be a better person but to also – bring about a better change in conversations for ourselves and our community as well. So thank you. Um, so I guess what is the addiction? If we're going to be addicted to anything, what is it that we should be stuck on? <laughs> what is it that we should be craving for? Hunger and thirst. I would say that, you know, um, that we need to be addicted to just um, being loving, to be the love, to be, you know, divine love, to be an emanation of of the highest form and the highest vibration of love. If if you're going to be addicted to that, be addicted to making that um, a part. And, and again, like I said, I think I've said before. Um, I don't necessarily like the term addiction. <laughs> case I would just say that um, that being loved, just at, and going ahead and pouring that out in the world, um, because the people who the people who actually live in that space, I mean, we've gotten the opportunity to really see um, people who operate in that space of of being loved. You know that that is where we have the the Martin Luther King, the Gandhis, the the Mother Teresas, um, people who have really shifted and impacted um, the world in such a way that that they lead people in the direction of you know getting off of whatever that path that they've been traveling on and that hypnotic path that they've been traveling on to to you know be one uh, you know be in a loving space with themselves. And being in a loving space with source. So, if if you're going to be be all gun ho and all down and all you know uh, pushing for for anything, I would say that that being operating out of that space. Because once you once you start doing that, um, what I have noticed, um, you know, just from my experience, and, and mind you, if for me it's an uh, an evolving thing. But once you get into that space of operating out of that heart space of loving that way, everything else has this tendency to sort of fall into place when when you are in that in that place. But do you have anything to, you know, add to that? 
Yeah, that's that space I was talking about with the agape and the uh, latia, love, come together with the self-love, which is the philatia, the soul love. You know, you come to recognize yourself, come to better grips with who you are. And the agape love, being that spirit love, recognizing that all things are the manifestation of love. And they kind of come together and there's that marriage of the individual, which is the soul, with the spirit, which is all things. And in that marriage, you become all things, and then you, can, you can't help but manifest the fullness of that love because you are in a relationship with spirit as love, as love. Yeah, and I, I would say that that I would say that the couple that sort of operates in that in that space that that we've seen, um, and uh, you know, are the are, are the Obamas. I mean, when you when you look at the when you see uh, pictures of their their pictures are just so telling. Their pictures are so telling of of the relationship um, that that they're operating on a personal level um, for for themselves as individual and between each other and for their children and even for those who surround them within within their administration. Like you know, they they talk about the romance between Joe Biden and President Obama and. Like you could see, you could see. Like um, I think that uh, Joe Biden was given some type of award, like uh, oh, yeah. some type of medal of honor, and just you could uh, like uh, like to see Joe's face, like when he realized what they had planned for him, just like ooh, you could just see the love, just like you know, like it filled it filled him up, and so because they as a couple operate in this space and even even down to when they had their uh they had uh i think it was uh was a concert where they brought all of these uh all of these performers to the white house to perform for the obamas and to even have dave chappelle even talk about that experience of having just being in that in the White House with them and it being all about love, like you could see that in everybody's performance it and it it has this it has this sort of ripple effect that just that just emanates from it, and I think that you know time will tell you know time will be a a testimony to to you know that operating in that space of of love. And having it emanate in, you know, from that place of agape love and of, you know, the the self love, and then having it have it have affect the eros and affect the friendships and affect, you know, um, the world. It it has this way of just rolling rolling out like a drop of water, uh, a drop of water in in a, a still place, and the ripples just keep, you know, the waves just keep rolling out, you know, and continuously going uh, going outward. So, you know, 
I, I hope that that answered your question. Are you still there? Uh, I, were you were you speaking to to me, Arlene? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I was still, you know, I was still speaking to you, but I, you know, I, I hope that that answered your question, and, and per, perhaps we just got a little too esoteric because we both do that, uh, you know. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, that, that was my question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good with something something concrete in terms of individuals who was Marcus Garvey and Martin Luther King, who were in love with a cause mm-hmm. and a and and a cause that would bring some resolution or some change. Um, not necessarily safe for all, but at least to safeguard themselves and their children and generations. And so when we got back into the, as you say, satirical, uh, this other thing, I was just trying to figure out, um, you know, they, they had causes. And um, and when I think when Jesus said hunger and thirst, I was wondering if that addiction could be, you know, you hunger and you thirst. You you're, um, you you don't give up the, the, the fact that we're evolving individuals. And we do need love. And as we move from one level to another, we there's something always new and um and i just i'm i'm putting it together in the tar it was as uh, king said with this marriage and this partnership is something that uh we're never absent of and the uh, greatest manifestation i think that one can have with love and coming into unity is with with two individuals right 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 um and um I'm this love and addiction and what it is that we stand in need of is some visions as to the purpose of 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 this love the purpose or the the purpose or cause or objective uh that would that would that would move that would move us further towards the goal. That's the word. It is. What is the goal and what is the objective? What is the goal and the objective that justifies an addition or hunger and thirst, which you are willing to sacrifice for, that you're willing to go through um, changes? You know, you don't have to answer that. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying because if you're coming, if you're coming, and 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 just for you to arrive at this point. It 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 took some challenges. It took some hard. It took some work. Okay, it it took some work for for you to arrive at this point of being comfortable with your truth. And um, where do we go from here with these things? Where do we go? Where do we go? I know you're going to be wrapping that up soon, but anyway, where do we go? Where do we go? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm feeling that being love, as you were saying earlier. But the key here is to is the being love as love. You see, so that, that marriage of the self love in conjunction with that spirit love, 
you know, that soul love in conjunction with that spirit of all love is that heart love. It's that manifestation of the heart energy because scientifically it is truly the heart made before the rest of the body is even created. It is the heart that has the energy that has been discovered to have a vibration or frequency that extends not just feet away from the, a person, well, feet away from the feet, many feet away from the feet, but it goes meters, it goes miles, and it's that vibration of the heart. And I think it's all about that heart vibration. So as we live in the aspect of being love as love, then that love vibration that you was talking about that they felt in the White House itself. You know, when you look at Joe Joe Biden's face when Obama was putting that um, medal around his neck, more than just uh, an honor that was being bestowed upon him, but it was the relationship that was made manifest that Joe showed to not only those of the White House, but those of the nation that Obama saw clearly with his own eyes, and he saw that that needed to be honored. And so the manifestation of love, being love, as love, is going to be seen. And when we show it, when we live it, it can't help but be shown. And when it's shown, it can't help but affect somebody else, and then they're going to respond. And there's a good chance they're going to respond in a positive way. Okay, so I, I recognize that even that answer really sounded esoteric. <laughs> it, 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 you just got to remember who you're speaking to. So, <laughs> okay, so it, let's put it this way: it's especially since we're we're talking about it in an esoteric way so i will bring it back with a question that you can ask yourself and and here's the thing be open to how the you know how how the the question manifests your manifesting your experience so the best way to see what that to you know get a firmer foundation on what that esoteric experience is like is to ask yourself who am i you know who am i when i am operating in divine love what you know what does what does divine love feel like in my experience in my body you know, and even asking yourself, if I were to imagine myself as divine love, what does that look like? And I would say that you you would you would it would be best to sit with that for the sit with that question for or those questions for at least uh, thirty to forty days, um, especially since because what what you're really doing. Um, when you're asking those questions, especially if you don't have 
and experience with that is you're calling in the divine to make a sort of a make a transformation in your life and 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 to and to reshape you into another into another space that, so that you can have a better understanding of of what what that is and you know to make that transformation so that's the only thing that I can I, because even because even if if I was to go ahead and explain it to you again it still may sound esoteric but start with those uh, those questions questions are the stuff of the universe that makes stuff appear in your reality. The only reason that many people experience things that they're experiencing, be it uh, positive or negative, is because of the type of questions that they are asking themselves. But questions, especially when you are uh, asking from a place, from a heart space, it gets the mind and the heart in alignment with creating what it is that you want to create, especially if it's something that is affirming. So this is the reason why I'm making the suggestion. And, you know, if if you actually decide to, to do it, you know, please feel free to, you know, give us um, a call back and, and let us know what your experience is. Yeah, I'll piggyback on that. Um, it's like Mama Joy said, we collectively behave on the stories we have been told as we've been growing up. So the thing to do is to reassess those stories to see if they match the questions that you're bringing forth. Because does it match with the divine love? What does it look like? What would it feel like? You know, doesn't match with what you get as the answer to those questions. Then your behavior needs to be readjusted because it's easy for us to behave in the matter of the, in, in the stories of which we've been told and raised raised on. And and I would say that the that even the asking of the questions, even if your you know, even if your behavior doesn't quite with with what the answer turns out to be, that you go ahead and and you you. You sit with it and see who you are in that new space because I will tell you, and perhaps maybe one of these days I will actually um, talk about sitting with the, the new you. It, it actually, when you start asking affirming questions and affirming at that place of operating in divine love, um, you know, you have to sit with that for a minute because there's a part of yourself that is being rewired for the new experience. And uh, a lot of times when people get into that place of operating in a, in a new experience, um, there is a sort of a, a, a sliding back and forth between the, the old way of being, which has been habitual, and then a new way of being, which is habitual. But I hope... I am hoping <laughs> because I I know we we seem to hang out in the rafters there, but I'm hoping that that uh, that the suggestion is is uh, you know blossoms and takes root for you and that it creates a new experience for you. And do you have any more questions, or does that seem something to that you you think that you could operate in? 
Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> All right. That that that's you know, I I I apologize. I had my neighbors to come in, and so what I'm going to have to do is listen to the replay. So please send the replay so that so that I'll know this challenge that you put before me because I um it's something that um that you all have grown very comfortably in, but for so many of us this is new. And when I see so many um, individuals hurt because because the love that they know is hurting them the love that they know it becomes abusive and painful to them mm-hmm. uh, there is such a need to come out of whatever it is that's been told and how do you do that you know what i'm saying but it's wonderful you guys have worked through it and i'm mean, i'm so happy about what you all have together and what I feel. Um, and um, I'm just proud of you. So what I'll do is really replay and see what challenge you got on the table for me, if there was one on the table. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you, you, sit with, you sit with the new questions and you just allow those questions to re- reshape your reality. And and again, it, it's one of those things that you know, I, because we we are cognizant of the fact that that people, you know, you know, operate in that space of where um, love is pain, but it 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 really it really doesn't have to be that way. And just so you know, there the people 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 kind of are, are addicted to the suffering, and they are confusing it with love. And, and, but when they, when they get into that, but you ask them, you know, listen to the replay and listen to the questions that we ask, um, um, then you will, you know, it, it will reshape uh, your reality. All righty. We'll do that. All right. You. All right. All right, so if you, if there's anybody that has any comments, questions, or concerns, please press the number one. Um, and if there is anybody who is online who is listening to us, please go ahead and call in. Um, our phone number is area code 646 because we're about to go into overtime, and you only got about 60 seconds, according to the lady that's counting down. So hold on. We do have one more person who has uh, called in, area code 904-994. Well, as a uh, past addict and future continue addict, I love oxytocin. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Just want you to know it is the most healing hormone on the planet. I think that was the after the first breath was taken, then came the exhale. And the exhale was called oxytocin. I love the show. You you guys are an amazing example of what to come once you overcome what you've built and created in your mind and imagination. Now we take that same energy, same power, and same presence, creating a new phenomenon 
and become addicted to the love that creates an amazing life. And I am so grateful for the explanations, the the uh, offerings, and the creativity that you guys have put forth into letting me know that I ain't crazy. I'm just addicted. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, if y'all got a local aid, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.